Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. And believe it or not, today I'm flying solo. Dwayne Drawn's out in L.A. He's uh, doing what he talks about all the time, which is, you know, being in proximity of people doing amazing things and his line of uh, proximity's power. He's living it right now. So he's out there with a bunch of designers and architects and uh, looking at incredible structures and, um, you know, meeting with people and getting a sense of how they're running their businesses and the things that they're struggling with and all that good stuff. It's so important in business and in life to continually uh, meet and talk to people about what's going on so you can learn and, and speed up your process. So anyway, he's out there enjoying himself. He says it's a little chillier out there than he expected, uh, probably a little warmer in Chicago. But uh, anyway, I think he'll survive. Today, uh, we have an awesome guest on today. Uh, he spent 15 years in our industry building amazing waterfalls and koi ponds across the whole United States. And believe it or not, and I I want to hear this story. He actually built one for Shaquille O'Neal. And he's been the uh, Aquascapes Artist of the Year back in 2017. He's the co-founder and CEO of Synced Up, a software for landscape uh, professionals. And uh, he's going to be part, and we're so blessed to have him on board, part of our uh, boot camp that we're doing, our six weeks of boot camp out here in, in Chicago area. Uh, he's going to be joining us to help guys unlock that that conversation about numbers and how to make it not so damn ugly and more fun, right? So uh, anyway, without, uh, without any more here, we're going to well, welcome uh, Weston Zimmerman on. Weston, how you doing? Hey, thanks, Josh. It's great to be here. I've really enjoyed getting to know you guys and meeting you. I think the first time I met Dwayne was at the GIE show here in 2021, so that was fun. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to do this uh, boot camp event with you guys out there. I booked my tickets last week and can't wait to be out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's, that's amazing. I'm so jacked and we're, we're almost sold out. There's only a few tickets left. So if you haven't got yours, grab one because this is going to be something that's changing the industry and we're so, so blessed to have everybody on board and yep. can't wait to get out there and help those guys get their, get their success faster. Um, so, so Wes, let's start out here with uh, some of the basics. So how did you get into this industry? Like, how did this begin for you? Well, um, when I think about that question, how did it really begin for me? It, it, it makes me remember the first pond I built with my mom in our backyard when I was six years old. And then the next year we rebuilt another one. And then my, not my uncle was starting to get into water features. And I was like 11 or 12 years old. And I'd go out there and sweat in the July heat, helping him build water features just for fun. Even though he paid me something like six bucks an hour or something. That was a lot of money to me back then. But that's how I kind of got into this. Like, hey, I love doing this. And then um, we lived on a 15 acre property and I kind of took pride in and keeping that place tip top, you know, mulching and mowing and maintaining it. Um, and I worked in a cabinet shop for a while, didn't like being inside. So I contacted uh, one of the local businesses in our area in central Pennsylvania called Tussie Landscaping. I was 16 at the time and I was like, hey, I'd love to have a job. Would you hire me? And I didn't even have a driver's license at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they were like, yeah, sure. Uh, so I came onto the team as a laborer. I biked to work, uh, for two years until I got my license, uh, with a pedal bike. And, uh, that was, that was how I got started. And it didn't take me very long to like really fall in love with the water features there being I'd already dabbled in them as a kid. And, um, I was the first service technician there for water feature maintenance and stuff. And then I got in, I started running a crew and then got into the director of marketing for that company and doing all the content creation. Um, eventually kept on building the water feature side until we got that Aquascape uh, artist of the year award. That was probably the, the highlight of that side of my career. Um, that was a lot of fun. And that's, that has afforded a lot of opportunities to do some crazy fun stuff all over. Like I've been to South America with Greg there in Colombia. I've been to, uh, Shaquille O'Neal's house, Logan Paul's house, building water features. So awesome. it was, it's amazing what kind of uh, doors opened up along the way. 
I absolutely love that, dude. I love that story for sure. And it's funny because I can relate to when I was a kid, I actually uh, started building little, you know, ponds within our little stream in the backyard. And we'd go down to the river, yep. to Delaware River, and we would fish out fish and put them in there. Then a big, you know, rain would come and wash them out. And we'd find them in the river, the little creek and bring them back up. And it was just so much fun. There's so much, especially being young and playing in the mud and all that. I just, oh, man, it come to, comes to my heart for sure. So that's, that's pretty freaking awesome, dude. Yeah. So, all right. So then you work with Tussie Landscaping and you started, you know, doing more of their marketing and that side of things. So tell me about how that transition was going from being in the field, building cool stuff to like transferring into the office. Like how did that work for you? Well, what the, the real truth about it is, is um, I did kind of the, the crew stuff until I got married when I was 22 years old. My wife was from Romania. So I spent two years over in Romania uh, getting to know her. We got married over there, built a little cabin over there and I came back Um virtually no money in my pockets. And, uh, I was desperate to earn a better living. Um, you know, a young man trying to figure life out and now I had a wife to provide for and all of that. So I was, um, hungry to figure this out. And Greg Whitstock, the owner of Aquascape gave me some of the best advice I've ever gotten at a pandemonium event there one year that, that when I was in the process of trying to figure this out and I asked him, uh, cause I was looking for ways to expand and grow my career. And he's like, well, why don't you do this? Go back first. Cause I was not an owner of Tussie, obviously go back first to the owners of Tussie landscaping, Steve and Matt Martin, and ask them, uh, what you can do to make the company more money, make yourself more valuable to the company. And that, that's all he said. It was that simple, but that made a huge difference. That was a complete paradigm shift in my mind. Like it just opened, like, you know, now it's like, well, duh, why didn't you just know that innately? But you know, it, it, sometimes we just need told something to really internalize it. And so I went back and uh, I asked that question. And that's how I got into doing marketing for the company, because we had kind of hired marketing agencies for Tessie Landscaping over and over again. Every year we got a new one. And they were all like colossal failures, like none of them did any good for us. And so Steve and Matt were like, well, hey, take a crack at this. We have nothing to lose. And so I did. And that's where we started doing the YouTube videos for the YouTube channel. It's where we, I, I built the website twice, um, did a first one, then redid it again the following year. Still on that website. Um, but uh, that's where I added more value and became, started developing skills around marketing and uh, became uh, the director of marketing there at Tussie. And so what that meant is for the next five, six years, I basically worked very close to two full-time jobs. I was still out in the field pretty much 40, 50 hours a week. And I would, it was a regular occurrence to get up at 4 a.m., do some things before I headed out the door at 6.30, um, come home from work and like, hey, I had something to ca catch up on and I'd be at the desk till 11, 12 at night and back at it again the next day. And, and that was not a daily thing, you know, but it was, it was a grind. It was a hustle. Um, but yeah, through that, it, it really enabled me to grow my career. I, I fulfilled my uh, dreams of, or my, uh, my desire to make a better living. I was absolutely making a better living, but I was paying for it dearly in terms of, uh, sacrifice. And, um, but looking back, I don't regret, I don't regret it. There's a lot of lessons I learned about life that were very worthwhile during that time. That's really cool, dude. That's really cool. And so it, when you say learn, learn life lessons that were worthwhile, what were some of the lessons that you learned during that crazy time that really stuck with you and empowered you now? Well, maybe that your worth in the economy of working a job is tied to the value you create. So if you want to make more than $10 an hour, figure out how to become more valuable to the economy, to the society, to the company you work for, or maybe you're not a good fit at the company you're currently working for. What are you really good at? What are your skills? Go, you know, the, the, the best way to grow your career is to match your skills and your abilities with where that provides the most value in the world, in the, in the industry, whatever industry that is for you. Um, and so having that mental, I think a lot, and when I look out across society, people struggle to connect like, oh yeah, we all want a new car, a nice home, whatever. But we have to create value. Like basically I, I production is what matters. Like what, what am I doing to produce value to the company I work at? Um, that's what you get paid on. And so connecting production to compensation is uh, one of the lessons I learned. Another lesson I learned is Steve and Matt were fantastic business owners, very generous, very selfless in the way that they ran the company. And it was a, that has been a huge life experience lesson for me and a role model that I 
strive to attain and what we're doing now was synced up you know it was a tremendous example hardly a day goes by that i don't think back to those examples of real life scenarios and where the owners were willing to take a loss to make some to make a customer happy or whatever it was and obviously you can't do that to every customer but eventually you know most people aren't crazy enough to take advantage of you when they really see that, Hey, all I want for you to do is be happy with the service we're providing for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thinking about that customer and knowing you're not always right, but when the situation comes up that you step up when you do, it's right in your heart. Right. And just and yeah. correcting or writing a wrong in, in some way. But, um, that's freaking awesome, dude. It's great that you had such great role models throughout that could help guide you, you know, through your process of, of growing now. So you go from building awesome outdoor, you know, water features and all that, why software, dude? Why why go that direction? Yeah. I mean, seriously, that's completely opposite. <laughs> yeah. And what makes it even more weird or unusual is I was not even the owner of a landscape company that came up with a software. And, and truthfully, Synced Up is a t- has been a team effort from, from Tussie. It wasn't just me. But uh, it was kind of like the story behind that is – being, when I got more into the director of marketing and more and more into the, the operations and the leadership type meetings, um, I kind of liked technology. And so this kind of got thrown in my lap. Hey, figure out what to use for the company. We got to solve this scheduling problem or whatever it is, this workflow problem. And so I was doing the, I was the one doing the research, finding the softwares, onboarding, implementing, teaching people in the company how to use it. And we went through one, then two, then three, then four, then five, you know. And so this was kind of where this this passion got lit, I guess. Uh, and the other thing is, is my dad worked in telecommunications technology all his life and he sold his company right around this time when I started becoming responsible for this stuff at Tyson Landscaping. And the company he sold his com- uh, his business to had a software development division. And my dad started working in, in that part of the company some. And I'd, I remember coming home from the job sites in the evenings, we're chilling on the back patio and I'm looking over his shoulder what he's doing on his laptop. I'm like, tell me about that. Like, I, you know, I saw these cool pie graphs and this cool software and like, I, I kind of, I knew what he was doing and I saw, Oh, you're building this. And I, so you mean you can just like have a real world workflow and then you like build software to like make that easier. And so this was where the wheels started turning. Um, fast forward a year or two, we actually, I actually convinced Steve and Matt and even the, the leadership uh, sales team there at Tassi to actually look at this seriously. We had some meetings and I uh, decided to like, well, there was kind of a, the, the, the catalyst to this is we had been through a handful of softwares. We were frustrated that we could not handle the whole lead through invoicing process of our business in one um, underneath one umbrella. And could you, I mean, there's a lot of products out there that say, yeah, from lead through invoicing. Yes, but we were also trying to know our numbers and be responsible and be job costing and knowing our profitability. And most softwares on the market, there's there's a couple exceptions, but most softwares in the market focus more on digital efficiency, digital digital proposals, invoices, whatnot. But there's they're completely blank and void when it comes to knowing your numbers and job costing. And we were trying to merge those two worlds. And the softwares we were using to know our numbers, like building a budget, pricing our estimates for profit, um, weren't the great weren't the greatest at operational efficiency. And plus the one that we were using did not do job costing. And even to this day does not do job costing. And that was like the biggest, like, you've got to be kidding me thing to us is like, why would you build a tool to go through all this work of budgeting, estimating, doing all these projections? Like, yep, I'm going to price my jobs responsibly and profitably. And then like have no mechanism to check how you actually did in the real world. You know? And so we're like, we can't believe that this didn't exist. Um, so that was the catalyst that got us serious about like, hey, should we build a tool for ourselves? You know, at first it was build a tool for ourselves. And I was kind of the one that had like, well, hey, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, this is not a problem that's unique to us. This is an industry problem. Like, I kind of wanted to take this and, and turn it into a, its own business and its own product mm-hmm. and sell it to other landscapers that I know have the exact same need, right? Um, so that's, that's how we kind of fell in to the software. And we were naive. We had no idea what we we're getting into. I'm telling you. So I, you know, picture this. I was already director of marketing, already full-time foreman, uh, and I'm throwing this into the mix. So my quality of life, bless my wife's heart, was not the best for probably two or three years. Um, a lot of sacrifice, uh, but it was something that I don't know where the tenacity came from. But I was just determined to make this work, and um, this year 
in the last years probably been when I I know I no longer I stepped out of the, my field role at Tusky Landscaping, so I'm no longer in the field full time, and that has really increased the quality of life a bit. And I thank my wife for her patience, but uh, um, now we're all, now I'm firmly committed to this new trajectory uh, uh, along with the software and synced up, and ultimately to try to shortcut the learning the hard the school of hard knocks that Tusky Landscaping lived through for 15 years to figure out their numbers and how to be efficient and profitable and try to like package that all up and put a bow on top of it that other people can just like step into and shortcut that learning curve down to months for themselves and their businesses. I love that, dude. I love it. And you know what I love more about you and your story is the fact that you're like us. You were out there in the field just up until recently, right? I grew up in, in the yep. industry as well, hands dirty and working your ass off all day long. And then, you know, coming home and running the books and trying to figure out if you're making any money. And oh my goodness. And you're like, I am making money, but never really checking against it because you know deep down that you didn't quite do as well as you thought, but you want to think you did, right? Because when you check it, then it's like that slap in the face. It's like, damn it, I did it again. I short changed myself for that project. You know, she said, I told her it's 9,500. And she said, what about nine grand? And I'm like, okay. And next thing you know, you're, you know, that 500 doesn't come off the top. It comes off the bottom. So, you know, right out of your pocket and you're like, oh goodness, it's only 500 bucks. Yes. But when the margin, your, your profit margin was only 900 to begin with, you only made 400 instead of 900. You know what yep. I mean? So that's, a, that's, that's more than a 50% drop in your profit. So things like that, yep. you just don't think about as you're going through, because it's all exciting. I want to get the project. I want yep. to make Mrs. Jones happy. I want to do all this stuff. And then you have no way to check it. So what I love about your approach, it's just not only, you know, lead all the way through invoicing, but it's also being able to check yourself and your team, you know, and being able to keep everyone accountable. Um, that's really an important piece. I know a lot of guys and gals listening out there now, especially getting starting in business. You know, the numbers are scary. Exactly. You think, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a passion driven, I'm a, I'm a passion driven person. I just want to build cool shit. Just the numbers just get in the way and they're just icky. And you're like, oh, like, what do I charge for this? How much should I make on this project? What's right? What's not right? What can I get? What am I worth? Like all these questions go along and it's like, man, the, the, the numbers just get in the freaking way, especially at the end of the year when all of those decisions are accumulated in a profit and loss statement. Yes. And then you're like, yes. oh crap, we lost money or we just broke even or I don't know if I can do this again. So I, I appreciate your or approach. The law statement shows profit, but your bank account's empty. Exactly. Classic symptom. Exactly. You yeah. know? Yeah, that's that's for yeah. sure, man. Especially when, uh, man, after all that work and all that struggle and, and telling your kids and your family you can't do stuff because you got work to do and you find out you did it all for nothing. Exactly. And, and what, you know, what you started out with there, that's what I call responding, negotiating with your customers based on emotion. You desperately want the job. You need the job. And so you're like, you, you make an emotional decision instead of a rational, logical decision on, yeah, I'll take the $500 cut. I'll give you, you know, whatever. And what I tell our users all the time is like, don't negotiate it on, uh, on price, yep. negotiate on scope of work. If you, if you, you know, if, if they're saying, Hey, can you do it for nine grand? Sure. I can swap out for a cheaper paver and then we'll do it for nine grand. We can make the patio a little bit smaller and then I'll do it for nine grand. But if you want what I described here in this scope of work, it's 9,500, no exceptions. We have also a rule here at uh, master plan is, you know, if you want to change price, there's only three ways. There's only three levers you can pull as a, as a customer. One is to change the material. Okay. You don't like pavers yep. too expensive. Let's go with concrete. Let's go with different paver, whatever. Yep. The other option is to uh, change scope. Okay. Which part do you, which feature or function would you like to take out of this design order to bring our price down. And then the third mm -hmm. is sweat equity. So, all right. So we have some demo in this project. A couple of trees got to be taken out. A deck has to be taken off. How about you guys take care of that? We can take that off the price. You take your weekends, get a dumpster and a machine and pull those, you know, concrete footings out and all that stuff. Like make it a thing, right? <laughs> Pretty soon that $500 uh, savings they were trying to go for looks cheap. Exactly. And you're like, the, the only three levers you can change, you know, the numbers that, because think about it, Wes, and I know you already know this, but I want the, the listeners to be thinking about it that are typically discounting their work. If you went in for that $9,500, and you said, all right, you know, 9,000 will be fine. What do you think the homeowner's thinking? Shit, if I didn't open my mouth, they would have, they would have taken me for 500 bucks. They would have screwed me because they didn't really want 9,500. They were trying to get more from me than what I actually would, than what actually should be. So 9,000 yep. is where it should land. So think about it. You're starting out your relationship with a lie. Yeah, ex yeah, exactly. It's like, it's subtle and it's subconscious, but it, it's like, were they trying to like, 
game me or gouge me or like how yeah. if i said nine and they said sure like what where'd the 9500 come from it's it's sneaky so that's, that's very good so you stand your ground your price is your price and you move on you have those three levers guys so you know if somebody starts negotiating price would you say sure which of those three levers would you like to pull yep that's it if not there's a door and then shut up yep stfu <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> let them talk because you know what? The next person yep. after that comment, the next person that talks is the one who bought the project. And if your mouth opens first, you just walked away with That's nothing. That's right. That's right. I read somewhere a statistic, something about by an overwhelming majority, the people that win negotiations are the ones that have the, the stamina or whatever the word is to, to remain silent the longest. Yep. The ones that are the most able to uh, stand through an, an uncomfortable silence. Absolutely true. Those are the ones that will win the negotiation. Because the other party feels the absolute need to fill the vacuum with sound. That's and the right. weaker one will do that. That's right. So, <laughs> make sure that's not you. Keep your mouth shut and smile and just look and be like. I had fun practicing that the last time I bought a car. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy, dude. It's not easy. No, it's not. <laughs> it is a skill. That's what we teach at Yes Express. Yeah. It's called STFU. And just yeah. keep your mouth shut. You guys yeah. can extrapolate yeah. what that stands for. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. that's really, really cool, dude. So, you know, obviously you had throughout your journey, you had some, you mentioned Greg from Aquascapes and I'm sure many others, yeah. but how powerful has mentors been in your journey? People that have helped you like, and, and what are some of the nuggets that they drop on you that changed the trajectory of your future? It hasn't, it wasn't really until... Well, I have, I have had mentors for a long time, but it wasn't really until about a year ago or less than a year even that I actually made it a focused point to go out and seek mentors for myself. In fact, that's where I'm at right now. I'm in a building that's being renovated, so sorry for the kind of not studio-like background here, but I'm at a uh, monthly uh, business peer group that I am a part of and those kinds of things. like you know the, You know the old adage of, Mm-hmm. who are your five friends? Show me your five friends, your five closest friends, and I'll show you who you will be, Yep. you know? And so the, the power of association, the power of surrounding yourself with people that can upgrade your ability to process problems, your, your ability to respond, to grow, to personal development is tremendous. It's a, it's a journey that I feel like I'm just beginning um, but I, I don't care if you are an 18 year old kid getting out of high school, wanting to get a lawnmower, or if you are, if someone's been in business for 25 years, like if you don't have a mentor in your life, figure, get someone that you admire, that you respect, that you always just wonder at, at their ability to, to adapt and overcome and bob and weave and, and what models success for you. So maybe it's family, maybe it's business, maybe it's whatever it is, but Make sure you get those people in your life and spend time with them. That's what I would say. Like, I, vendors have been a huge, have had a huge impact on my life. I love that. And how often have you approached somebody and said, you know, I'd love to learn more about your secrets and like how you've done it? Like, how, how did you do it? How many times? That's hard. It is. It is. But how many times have yeah. they rejected you and said, little kid, get the fuck away from me. I don't want to talk to yeah. you. Has that ever happened? Um, I probably was never brave enough to ask someone that would have said that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can think of some people that, that, that might be the response I would get if I'd ask them, uh, that I do respect how they, how they do, uh, their career, their families or whatever. Um, but no, I, I did this year, actually, I, I did approach someone and it's like, Hey, whatever you're doing is amazing. I need more of it. How can we, how can we develop some kind of uh, mentoring relationship? And that's what we do now. And, um, that's awesome. It, it takes initiative. Like this, this kind of thing doesn't fall in your lap. Personal development doesn't come naturally. Growth is painful. Like, you know, it, it's not like you're sitting down on the couch with a bag of chips when you're growing. It's more like you're getting out of bed at 5am to get that workout in or whatever it is. Um, so if you're like wanting to grow, yeah, I want to grow. Yeah, I want to be successful. Yeah, I want to have this and that and be fulfilled and have meaning and purpose in my life. Well, then get ready to be uncomfortable and get ready to experience pain and and un- and a certain level of uncertainty and like and and exercise a lot of faith. Absolutely. You say faith and that's one of the big things that is so important um, you know, when it comes to to what pulls you forward, knowing that you just the knowing that you can, that you will achieve, that you will conquer, regardless if it's the way you think it's going to be, but that you know deep down that there is a way. You just have to keep hitting that wall until you go through it. Yeah. 
That's so important. But um, I know that when I was younger, I wouldn't ask anybody for help. Jeez, I'm like, I'm a guy. I'll figure this out myself. You know, I'm a, I'm a pillar, if you will. I'm like, uh, I'm a pioneer. Nobody knows what I'm going through, that old adage, right? And um, <clears throat> I found that- First off, that's not true. It's exactly right. It's not true. But that's yeah. what we tell ourselves. That's what society, exactly. it's that, it's that uh, you know, stoic cowboy or whatever, right? That has to yep. do it all himself and go into the town and rescue the girl and all on his own and all that kind of stuff. And the reality is, man, we we all need help. And, you know, when I, when I finally realized it as well and started approaching people to mentor me as well. I'm like, what if they say no? What if they say, um, you know, I don't have time for you, kid, get out of my way. Like, no, but I see it now, dude. And it's the most humbling, incredible privilege of my life is that I have people coming to me now as I'm getting, you know, it seemed like around 40. That's when it started to change, right? They they come to me and say, can you just help me with this? Can you just, you know, help me mentor me, just coach me on this kind of stuff. And I'm like, deep down, somebody asked me that. I said, absolutely. We'll find a way. We'll find a way, no matter what it is, some way that I can help you get further on your journey, whatever that becomes it is, you know, and, and my point in saying all of this is that if you have somebody in your life that you're like, man, I really want to know how they did it. Don't sit on the fence anymore. Go over and ask that person. And you know what? Yeah. yeah. 99% of the time they're going to say, wow, that's really cool. They noticed. Well, in the society we live in, it's like, that initiative to like for someone to come to you and ask you, Hey, I really admire how you do this. Like I'd like to learn from you is, is rare. Yep. Right. And so when these people come across someone that's actually like, Hey, I want to learn and, and become better. Um, they're happy to help. Absolutely. People usually won't, won't disrespect a true desire to grow. Right. Uh, and speaking to your thing of like self-sufficiency and confidence and whatnot, like I think what really was a paradigm shift for me is <laughs> just some really humbling setbacks and failures. And man, if I had to do it over again, I'd do it differently experiences that I lived through. And that was when like, you know what, the biggest thing, the biggest risk I have is what I don't know that I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, um, that is when I'm like, I need people to kind of be my sounding board or, or tell me when I'm being an idiot or not seeing something obvious or, you know, or someone to just bounce off my thought process to get feedback, sanity check ideas, those kinds of things. That's, that was a bit of a shift for me. I think when, when I actually was like, I, I need to intentionally seek out those kinds of things in my life. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. And, you know, eventually I think it becomes almost a necessity. Like you realize at a certain point in life and in business that you don't have all the answers. And if you're going to sit here and try to figure it out on your own, it's going to take you an extraordinary amount of time. And then you see others blasting right past you and you're like, how are they doing it so fast? And then you see they have this brother or sisterhood around them that are supporting them. To your point, you become the aggregate yep. of the five people you spend the most time with. So choose wisely, right? And if you choose yep. those people around you, people that are achieving what you want to achieve, either personal or spiritual or in business or whatever it might be, you're going to start mm-hmm. becoming that. But if you lay with dogs, you're going to get fleas. So be very careful and who you choose. Right. And it's not to say, you know, we know we can't pick our family, right. And we just have to love them for who they are and just accept exactly what it is. God gave us exactly what we need. But at the same time, when it comes to selecting your, your peer group, you have to be ultra, you know, selective about that and not in a nosy kind of egotistical way, but you know, are these people three things you look for when you're building a team, right? You're looking for humble, you're looking for hungry and you're looking for smart, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the, the the identities of the identity, if you will, of the perfect team player and of, of a mentor and of people that you want to surround yourself with. Hungry, humble, smart. And when I say smart, I think people it, smarts and smart in what they do. But that's the, you have those three. That is the perfect soup, if you will, of, of an incubator yep. for the best ideas and the most growth. I agree. There's two things that make the, the, those three words make me think of. One is is tenacity. I love the word tenacity, like refuse to fail yep. or refuse to give up. Maybe because you or fail faster is maybe refuse to fail may not be the may not be the right thing, but you get the idea. And then the other thing is, is like. When I, when I hear you say those three words, I, I'm in picturing something, someone that is more worried about achieving an objective and an idea than they are about, well, what do I have out of it? What's my compensation? Yep. Ask that question after you've arrived at the finish line. Yep. You know, if, if you're the one asking that question right at the beginning of the idea, idea it's like, ah, I don't know if I want to work with you. Like if, if that's, if that's your number one question, like, yep. I want, I want, I want the number one question to be like, how can we make this work? How can we make this succeed as opposed to, well, 
how do we slice this pie? No, no, exactly. And to your point, if you don't have a strong mission deep down that's driven from your why, and that might be personal, that's fine, but you're focused on a team winning. You're focused on yep. the world winning with your time spent in this, you know, for instance, in software or in some other you know, writing a book. It could be anything really that not just you win, you will win. But if that's your main objective of you winning and everyone else kind of paying the price of you winning, no one's going to get involved with your team. And that's how a lot of people yep. run their businesses. They say, look, you know, I started the business, so I get to, to reap the fruits of all this stress that I deal with. And you guys being stressed out every day as your your employees, they don't get to any piece of that pie. They just get to work every day, get their little piece of the pie, the itty bitty little piece called the paycheck. And you get to go on vacations and you get to have a big fancy house and a big fancy car. And they're sitting there barely able to feed their family. Yeah. Like that's the old adage. And that's not the way you're going to build a team. That's the wrong way to do it. You, yeah. You're not going to build loyalty that way. Hell no. Because they see it's all about nope. you. Yep. And when you start, yeah. And uh, there's a guy I follow uh, called Dan Martell. He's a SaaS founder, software as a service. Mm -hmm. Because since we're in the software business, a good guy I follow. But one of the things he says, and he's been very successful over and over, like repeated uh, exits on his companies. But one of the things he says is, if you want to be successful, the first thing you have to figure out is how to make the people around you successful. Mm. Yes. If you do, if you do that, they will bend over backwards for you. One hundred percent, dude. One hundred percent. Um, and that's something that. I ask myself regularly these days of, of how, you know, starting a new venture here is, you know, how do I execute on that idea? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, how have you found the best way to, to put that to, to work? I know a lot of listeners are thinking that sounds fantastic guys, but how do we put wheels under this bus? You know, how do we even bring this into our business? Yeah. Well, I mean, just a really blunt example is there at Tyson landscaping, which is when I started, there was maybe your standard, million dollar landscape company in the hills of Pennsylvania mm -hmm. today is a $5 million landscape company, very established, very successful. Um, but even today I see a lot of, I see a lot of business owners in this industry where they'll drive in in a brand new Denali pickup mm -hmm. and all of their employees are driving in in 20 year old rust buckets. Mm -hmm. And I'm just saying like, do it's a free world. You can do what you want. But if that is the picture of your parking lot at your, at your business on Monday morning, I'm not going to expect a loyal team around you, you know? Um, and so back to the point of figuring out how to make the people around you successful, figure out ways to incentivize, motivate them to grow themselves in their own careers and their own personal development, their own success. Like, and it's more than just monetary things, right? Money, money is necessary, but yeah, first off, they should be making, uh, you figure out how to make them successful. So they're actually providing value and then figure out how to, make them achieve their definite, help them achieve their definition of success. Um, and that can, that starts with a fair compensation. It starts with make sure, Hey, I want, I care about you more than just eight to five. Like, are you, do you feel like you have the mental burden lifted off of your head sufficiently so you can go home and be present with your family or whatever that is like caring about the whole person and not just the eight to five, um, persona. Um, is I don't know I'm I'm rambling here, but that's kind of what I think about when I when I think about your question. No, that's it's an excellent answer, and you're absolutely right when it comes down to that. It's about thinking of them as humans and as just like yourself. They have needs, wants, desires. They have things they want to achieve too. Work doesn't have to be the um, uh, I don't know the, the horrible thing they have to do in order to get the things they really want. Right. When they spin right. that around and, and their their work becomes their career or their passion. Right. And you can figure out a way, as you mentioned earlier in this, this conversation about how do you add the most value? And all of a sudden I say, wait a minute. So if I put more focus on being better at what I do every day, the business grows. OK, great. That means the guy in the Denali can buy, you know, fancy tires for his Denali. Right. That's great. But right. when they see a direct line to them benefiting from their initiative as well that tenacity to never give up and keep pushing, right? Um, they can say like, wait a minute here. So if I push this button and go harder on this, the company wins and then I win. Yep. And and they start to see that. Now, you know, what we found very, very valuable is to, to dig deeper down. And I want to see how you're doing this or how you're thinking about doing this, but about figuring out what is success? How do your employees uh, what, do they, what do they call success? How do you find out? What has your strategy been to find out what's really success? What does that mean to them? So you can help help them through them working with you to that 
faster success strategy? Well, for me, I feel like I'm in kindergarten in this in this subject. I, I, I've had a great example and a role model in my life, and now I'm trying to figure figure out how to duplicate it for myself. And I, and I don't feel like I have the answers, but um, you know, I keep I, I go back to how the questions I ask myself is how can I make someone feel pride in being a part of our organization? How can I make one of our staff feel proud to be part of organization? Because you can't. There's things you can't teach or incentivize, like having the person at the front desk speak with a unreasonable customer in a in a respectful. How can I make this right manner? You know, there's something you can train and teach, but at the end of the day, it comes down to the to their own values and their own being to how they, how they respond. And they're on your front lines, mm -hmm. you know? They, so it's really important, I think, as a leader of your organization to, to make plain what your values and mission are as a company, how you be an example of how you want your, be an example yourself to your, the people in your circle for how you want the people on your front lines and your business to also present themselves to your customers and like what do people want I, I think the basic human desire is to have meaning and purpose that's why money is not the the golden ticket here although it's a part of this discussion but having meaning and purpose and fulfillment and that's where it kind of dips into the pride thing of being a part of an organization like i put the tussie logo in my office i i, I was I, I was proud to be a part of that organization um and I'd like for the staff at SyncTop to feel the same way. And I'm trying to figure out how to duplicate that. And I, one of the guys I think about is Jordan Peterson. I, I just, I can get, go down the rabbit hole of listening to his YouTube lectures and stuff um, on and on and on about his discussions of meaning and purpose and what, what, what creates human fulfillment. And um, yeah, he, he's, he's been someone I really learned to uh, respect and appreciate. I love that. I love that. So again, you're looking for a mentor or a coach, right? Someone that can help you that's been there that can help you get there quicker yeah. and, you know, cut through the clutter and get you right to the good stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you're spot on with that. It's about, it's a matter of finding what lights them up because all humans have mm -hmm. something that lights them up. And if they aren't lit up by what they're doing with you as a team, then maybe they don't belong there. Yeah. And you know, if it doesn't get them excited, maybe a way you can filter that is the same Dan Martell. I, I saw a, a clip of him talking about his hiring process and vetting people to build a team that's loyal and productive. And he's like, one of the questions he always asks in, in his interviews is like, where do you see, where do you want to be in five years? What's your, like, where would you love to be? Yeah. Like, there's no restrictions, no financial, like, where would you love to be? And then once they, most people struggle to answer that, right? Because it's like, oh, I never thought about that. Right. Um, or they struggle to articulate it. Um, and then when they do, there's there's a question is like do you have any ability to impact that maybe it's something that you have to like yeah that's not i can't help you that doing that so maybe you're not the best fit for organization mm -hmm. but if the answer and to give you an answer that's like well, hey i could actually help this person achieve that then it's like well how can i help you get there yeah if you give me your all how can i help you get there and and when i think that's often what trips that trigger in people and like wow this person will invest in me to help me achieve my own do definition of my own fulfillment right so i, I know we're kind of all into theory and how you know how, the question becomes how do you make that real um and i don't know if i can really succinctly answer that but it's a, it's a journey i'm on myself <laughs> i love it dude no, no your explanation was perfect dude and that's really really the, the beautiful part about it is you get it you know you get the idea of aligning people's um, you know, their, their life successes with the business, right? And I usually say, look, if when you create a, a business where it's the vehicle to help others to their successes in life, yep. you will have, there a, you, you will have a team that will row and row and row with you and not because they're rowing for themselves because they row for the mission in place. Now, you as the leader have to develop your leadership skills. And that doesn't happen overnight. It comes from a lot of deep work, yep. right? Uh, the, that six inches of real estate between your ears and working through that and what really drives you and how to create that environment. So if you look at your business as that vehicle to help others to their success, imagine how easy it would be to hire, right? You ask certain questions and if they don't fall into that and they're looking for a J-O-B and not an actual team to be part of as a family, then that's pretty simple. If they're all about them, they don't have the humble side of things. It's all about their ego and arrogance. They're not going to fit. Yep. You know what I mean? If they're not hungry, if they're like, I'll do my job, but you know what? I punch out at five and I'm going to go home and the whole team's going 125% every single day because they are just lit up by this mission. 
and you've got somebody that's dragging along behind because nine to five is enough, not going to work. Or if they're not smart and they can't communicate and they, then you're, you're trying to have a conversation because we're all very open and, and, and vulnerable. And they're just like, nope, sorry, you're not going to know anything about me. It's not going to work. Yeah, exactly. And in this society that we live in now with labor being a tough thing to to, to get come by in our industry. This is, I think, getting more, this subject is getting more attention than ever. And one of the, you know, it's you get on the Facebook groups and it's owners ranting about their terrible employees and they just screw up and they can't get anybody to help them. And it's like, I'm speaking to myself, but like my thoughts are, dude, look in the mirror. I probably the best book I ever read on this was uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Mm-hmm. Yep. I read that book twice and I, I need to read it a third time. Yep. Like it is, th- that was, that was one thing. Another thing I can point back to in my life so far as a, a paradigm shift as to how I view the world, the workplace, teams, businesses, everything. Yeah. Even family, even, you know, even personal. Mm-hmm. No, for sure, dude. That's, that's a huge piece. That's a huge piece for sure. But you know, it's a matter of finding that right thing. And as an owner, we get frustrated because we have enough on our shoulders. And the last thing we want to do is become therapists. What do you like to do? Where do you want to be in five years? Like, that's not part of our, our, you know, deal. Like we're here to say, we got work. You want to work? Yes, go. But but the problem is guys that are doing it that way. And I was guilty of this many years. So trust me, I'm, I'm throwing rocks in a glass house here. But the point is, I want you to realize that it's about the human experience. And you start thinking about, okay, well, these people want something more for their lives, not just a paycheck. Like they can go to McDonald's yeah. and get paid 18, 20 bucks an hour now. They want something that's exactly. mission driven. They want that, but they need a leader that'll get them there because they don't know if what they can and can't do yet. So, you know, you yep. have to develop yourself as, as the owner. You should be focusing on as much leadership training as you possibly can in any way that makes sense for you, because that's really the next step in you taking your business to the next level and creating a team that actually shows up every day and loves what they do most of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it starts with yourself. Like if you're the one that's a leader or the owner of your company, start investing in your own personal development, get that mentor, read the extreme ownership, watch some lectures. Like in this day and age where everything's online, I mean, yeah. it's so easy to, uh, we can access this information and, and development, like training, like never before. Yes. Like imagine a hundred years ago, like you'd have to have a chance meeting with someone or an introduction to, to get this kind of exposure to radical shifts in thinking sure today it's like it's it's one search away it's so exciting it's one click away on amazon you got a book next day dude it could change your life and i mean one book that was and i know i mentioned before in the podcast but the big five for life it's a simple unknown book there's a you know a fable in the beginning they talk through this entire story but they the teaching within that is it absolutely transform how i see business and and how i see my life and my impact and in in what uh, you know, what the overall goal is here for me personally and also with teams, but it's called Big Five for Life and just get a copy, read it. It helped uh, really help because within our business, we ask the question, we ask, you know, we sit down with the team members like, okay, what's your PFE, your purpose for existence? Like, why are you here? What are you trying to solve? And then what are your big five things that you want to accomplish in your life that would be considered success to you? And we write them down and we actually look at each other's and we say, okay, cool. So when we're planning an event for the company, we're like, it looks like everybody loves to be outdoors. Why don't we go for a hike? Everybody loves yep. that, right? Okay, well, you want to be here in five years or 10 years or 20 years. You want to retire on the, at the beach. How can we help you get there, right? And to be part now, obviously, with a thousand person team, that's a little bit more difficult. But most of the people listening here aren't running organizations like that. They've got a few employees, a handful, dozen or two, whatever, but that's still manageable at that point. And to be able to, to really understand what that is. And then, Hey, when you do your yearly evaluations, are we getting closer? Okay, cool. We didn't get there this year. How do we get you closer to that beach house? Okay. Maybe, maybe it's a retirement fund. Maybe it's something, I don't know. There's a thousand different ways we can do it, but let's start thinking about a way that we can help you get there. Yeah. And then everything becomes doable and they show up happier and, and everyone's happier. I get up in the morning thinking, wow, it's not just about me. It's about we, this Mm -hmm. is incredible. We're Mm -hmm. all getting there. And I think probably the, Probably the most rewarding moment is when you wake up or one day as a leader or an owner and you saw an employee do something that was completely not even asked of them, pulling their weight, going above and beyond of their own initiative. Yeah. And that's that's a direct symptom. Like we all want that as owners, right? So let's start being the leaders that actually make that possible. Yeah. And, <laughs> and give those team members the space to make decisions on their own understanding that just like whether you or I did it, 
mistakes will be made. Yeah. And give them the leniency yeah, of exactly. that. Yeah. We make mistakes. Why would we expect our team expect our team members to be flawless? Exactly. Right? And, and another thing I heard that I, I think about once in a while is like, um, don't delegate a task list. Delegate authority. Talk about outcomes. Yes. Let them come. Let them build their own task list. Yep. You know, and and that kind of gets the brain kind of all symmetric and, and everybody pulling in the same direction. Well, it's the ownership side, right? Extreme ownership, like yeah. Jacko says, it's yeah. all about giving them the ability to make up, make mistakes. Because look, when you look at a mountain and you say, you know what, I'm going to go up the path that's, that everyone knows. It's very simple. We're going to go up that path. That's one way to do it. Somebody else might look at that and say, no, I'm going to go right up that rock face because I've got a certain skill. I'm great at climbing rock. So I'll go right up that rock face and, and shave hours off our, our trip. Mm -hmm. And you're like, but I don't possess those skills. So what? If they're, let them go their direction, they're going to get the result we want as long as it's moral and ethical and it, it reaches out to, or it fits within our, our box of things that we do in the company. And it's good for human nature, of course, not taking advantage of people. But point is, you know, yep. if, if it gets us there faster, why not take that route? They're going to take on the risk of taking those rock faces on. You know what I mean? That's just what it is. And pretty soon you look back and you're like, damn, they got a lot better skill than I do at that. <laughs> Thank yeah. goodness. You know, you, well, yeah. that's what happens is like you'll, you'll discover your employees are better at things that you, than you are. Oh yeah. They better be. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Don't hire people that are uh, less yeah. than. Make sure that they have the capacity to be a hell of a lot more than you can ever be. And I, uh, I should yeah. be the dumbest guy in the room. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> Just keep me around for entertainment. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but they're looking I, for that. I, Sam Gamble from Atlas Outdoor in Michigan. Like, I love his title on Facebook, Chief Fist Bumper and High Five or something like that. I love that. But it's so true, dude. It's so true. Your job as you get, you know, not job, but your your main objective as you become, um, you know, a larger team and you grow your business is not to be the one that's the best, you know, bottle washer or designer or whatever it might be. It's to be the one that understands how to lead. Yep. Because people, all they want is direction. They are super skilled in yeah. what they do. And you can get people that they know exactly what to do when you like bean counters, for instance, or accountants. So they, like, that's not my thing. So get somebody that's all they do and they love it. They get up every morning thinking about numbers and get them on and lead them. All they want is to yeah. be led. Teach them how, or get taught yourself, learn how to lead. And the next thing you know, you'll have a group to lead, but you got to get those yeah. skills for. I think, I think the crisis, like we say, there's a labor crisis, right? I think underneath that labor crisis is a leadership crisis. Oh, amen, brother. If we solve the leadership crisis, the labor crisis will be solved. Amen. Amen. You couldn't have said it better, man. I think that's where it all lands because these men and women looking for jobs out there, they're getting pickier. They're more sophisticated now. Yep. And they're not looking for something to just swing a hammer all day long and make some money to come home and spend it all within a week and wait for the next one. You know what I mean? They're, they they yeah. know their value is higher than that. And when the employer uh, thinks or the leader thinks, okay, they're just tokens they can move in and out of a game yeah they know that yeah and when they start realizing that hey you know what i do have value i do have worth i am really good at what i do i need a leader to help me become more of myself a better version that i can show up to my family to my life get up each morning excited about what i'm doing and not dreading that alarm clock going off every single morning so once that becomes a reality dude you, you nailed it with there we're in need of good leaders yeah yeah absolutely so Everyone out there, if you're struggling with labor, figure out how you can become a better leader. You know, and that's going to suck because you can't point, you can't point to somebody else and say, it's their fault. It's their fault. I can't grow my business. It's their fault because they won't show up to work. It's their fault that they're drunk each day. It's their fault that they don't have a car. It's their fault that their family needs more than I can provide them. I think you better turn those fingers around, man, because every time you point one finger in one direction, you've got, what, three more pointing directly four. back, four yeah. more pointing directly back at you. So figure yeah. out how you solve the problems like that for them, and you will have loyal team members that will be with you forever and go through thick and thin and and be driven and, and run your projects. And you, you will sit back in absolute awe of the absolute majesty that comes with empowering others to be the best version of themselves. It is so powerful. I agree. Now I got to go figure out how to actually make that real for myself. Cause like I said, I'm in kindergarten in this. It's all right, brother. You're, it's all right, man. It's, it's, it's life. It's all about that journey, right? Everyone thinks it's the goal that we're after. No, it's the journey. Cause that's what yeah. defines you. And that's the fun stuff. It, it's it's yeah. the hike, not the top where you take the picture of the mountain. It's that hike and going through your mind. Like, can I make it? Can I do it? I don't know if I've got what it takes. Am I enough? What are they going to think about me? All this kind of stuff. That's the journey up the mountain. When you get to the top, you're like, I need another mountain. It's all that journey. Yeah. That's really what it yeah. is. So That's right. man, I've really enjoyed this conversation, uh, Weston. So how can people find you? Well, um, you can find synced up 
at syncedup.com, S-Y-N-K-E-D-U-P.com. Um, and basically you can learn more about, uh, what we do there. Um, just helping basically what we do is we help owner operators of landscape businesses just figure out their numbers and stop getting just get rid of that deer in the headlights look and make sure that you're actually pricing your work profitably and then not only that but checking to see how you actually did because as a salesperson you need to know did you estimate that job for the right price because if you didn't if you didn't make the money that you estimated you would you need to figure you need to know it first of all and then you need to figure out why so you don't repeat the same mistake the next time and you don't want to learn that you didn't make the money you needed to make at the end of the year when your cpa calls you up you need by that time it's way too late to do anything about it you need to know right away and so that's what we do and uh we're in the business of selling results not just fancy apps and buttons um so i love that oh this yeah this this winter i'm well we're doing the boots camp the boot camp event and there's a, a number of other events where we're just going around trying to teach this stuff of how to how to get this under control, automate this so that you can get back to doing what you're good at, being a fantastic craftsman at building beautiful outdoor living spaces uh, for your customers. No, I love that lesson. And, you know, I'm really excited. I know we've chatted offline about the the value you're going to bring to boot camp and helping these guys get started with this whole process of understanding what this and, and take the pain out of it, right? Take the pain yeah. out of the number side of it because optics guys without optics, meaning that you can see in your business, like you have a dashboard of your business, right? To be able to see what's going on. You can tell whether, you know, the transmission's running hot or your gas gauge is low. Like if most people run it blind, they shut their eyes, they turn on the key and they just drive until they hit a tree. Right. So that's how most people run their business. But imagine having a dashboard and having good optics and getting a sense of what's actually happening. Are you making money on a project? Are you not? Let's figure that out on job one, not job 101 at the end of the year, to your point, Wes. So, you know, yep. that's the beautiful part about what you're bringing to the market right now. I can't wait to have you as part of the, uh, the boot camp experience for everyone that's coming. And, um, Man, I'm, I'm just super pumped. But uh, thanks again, yeah. Wes, for coming on. And uh, we'll chat with you more here at Boot Camp. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast. I think you got a lot of really good stuff to uh, to share with our guests. So Absolutely. guys, if you it's enjoyed... Yes, thank you. So guys, if you've enjoyed this conversation with Wes, you know, obviously check out uh, Synced Up on, online. Take a look at what he's doing over there. Um, if you're in Boot Camp, you'll see him there too. Uh, but, you know, Dwayne and I, our, our hearts are set on, you know, impacting and empowering 2 million people in the next five years in our industry. And, you know, we do that through having a amazing conversations like today and, just, and, you know, raw conversation, not the shit that you hear in most places where they just want to come on with a kind of canned up, boxed up conversation. Like we would just want to go deep. We want to go into the little parallels that no one's ever thought much about and start thinking about how you can start implementing these things in your life. These are things that Wes and I have already done, right? And we already see the, the value in this team creation and, and adding value before you're ever asked for money and all these kinds of things. And that's, if you start bringing these concepts to your business and to your life, everything changes, man everything changes and you get excited about waking up each and every day because you've got a bigger mission in life than money 100 awesome well thanks again man we'll hear you guys and we'll reach back out here next week enjoy it's been a great time see you at the boot camp go get those last couple tickets that's all right that's right <laughs> cool